0: Engaging Leader Podcast, Episode 54, Humility and Leadership, How to Teach Confident Humility, featuring Karen Hurt. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, leaders. Our guest today is Karen Hurt, who is an executive director at a Fortune 15 company. Her blog at letsgrowleaders.com has become a favorite in the business leadership space. I discovered her blog just a couple months ago, and it's, it has quickly become one of my favorites to keep an eye on. Karen has a diverse background of leadership experience in sales, customer service, HR, merger integration, training, and leadership development. And one of the reasons she caught my eye is she's a fellow triathlete and has a pretty extensive background in in athletics and running and singing and hiking and traveling. So um, I just wanted to be able to share war stories on all that, too. So, Karen, welcome to the Engaging Leader podcast.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I'm absolutely delighted to be here.
0: Karen, how do you feel that you've got all these diverse interests? You're a yogi, and I rattled off some of the other things that you're interested in. How does that influence your personal style of leadership? Because that definitely comes through on your blog.
1: Yeah, so it's very important to me and as a leader to really tap into all of who I am as a human being, right? So, you know, I've got I do have some diverse interests. I I've done done a bunch of triathlons and marathons and when when I find that aspect by tapping into, you know, the endurance and the long distance, right? You know, setting goals, um being disciplined, following a regimen, you know, when I'm when I'm seriously training for a race. All of that, I, I believe, really does help and apply to when you need endurance and goals and and all of that, and how you, as a leader, and also how you help to inspire that on your team. And then I've got sort of the softer side of things. I I find that through volunteering uh, with kids, or I wrote a a children's musical for our church and and directed it, and I was completely out of my normal element, right? (laughs) You know, it's one thing to lead when you have absolute... Uh, when you're the when you're the person in power, right, and your title says something, people are it's easy to lead in that environment. But when you're trying to navigate a, a network of volunteers uh, who you don't have responsibility for, or you're working with uh, four and five year olds and also eighteen year olds in the same show and trying to get that to, them to work together as a team, that is harder. And so I, I like to put myself in situations like that because I, I do find that you can learn much more about your leadership when people don't have to follow.
0: That's interesting, right? When it's a, it's pretty much a volunteer-type situation. Yeah. You know, the other thing about the triathlons and marathons is it's an interesting combination of this preparation time toward a big stretch goal and that, how scary that can be. And then while you're preparing, you've got a lot of reflection going on because you have these long moments where it's just you and then you really do rely on a team whether it's your family because uh, or you you've got fellow athletes that you're doing an event with and you're you're kind of encouraging each other and challenging each other and and relying on them a lot of times uh, you know my family is taking a big chunk out of their weekend to go support me at an event or or take me there or pick me up depending on if it's a round trip kind of uh, experience. Now and you had told me, I think we traded notes on Twitter, you have done a, a half Ironman, right? I have, yes. Okay, and this is very much on my mind cuz I am now just about a week away from my first ever half Ironman and I'm definitely getting to the point where I'm rather scared about it, nervous <laughs> because it's <laughs> it's a big step up from even the Olympic length triathlons that I've done in the past. So Knowing that you've already prepared for something like that, it's an interesting feeling. I guess I look up to you not only because you've accomplished something big, but it's it's a big deal. That's a that's roughly a five or six or seven hour long experience. Lots of problems can happen on the way, and you you've had to have prepared for a long time for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I I would say. Congratulations, because it sounds like you're full steam ahead and ready to go. And I hope the weather cools down. Would be my first <laughs> <laughs> wish for you, because right now it feels awfully hot to be doing one. Um, but uh, yeah, I I I, it, it, I can't always be doing that, right? I'm not preparing mm-hmm. for a half iron now, right? So your life has seasons. But when I was doing that. I was really dedicated to doing that and it was a big goal that I wanted to accomplish. I did want to test myself. I did find that the the reflection I had a place in the park that I would go run and you when you're training for an event like that as you know you're you're running for 4 hours at a time and you're you're Tucking your tennis shoes into your bike straps, and right, and, and you know all kinds of crazy, silly stuff, and and burying water throughout the park, and and you just learn your routine of how you need to to train for that. But I would agree with you that the main thing is is having a supportive. I call it you know who's who's your pit crew, and you need that leadership too. Right? Who is your your pit crew of people who are really, really there helping you, encouraging you, giving you feedback along the way? And so I think that you're drawing a very good analogy there as well.
0: Today we're going to be talking about humility and leadership. And I've been very interested in discussing this topic with you. First of all, it's been on our wish list as a topic for this podcast ever since a few months ago my dad said, Jesse, you really need to do an episode on humility and the role in leadership and in the corporate world because we just don't see enough of that. And the, the truly great leaders have this a significant element of humility to them. And then as I was following your blog, Karen, I noticed that a couple of your most uh, popular posts with the most comments and discussions have been on this topic of humility and leadership. And I'm wondering why has that resonated so much with people? Why did you get so much uh, feedback about that?
1: You know, I worry that the reason that there was so much energy towards this topic is that we do have a lot of leaders out there who, who for one reason or another feel like they must come out appearing very, very confident. And if they are not unwilling to, you know, if they were to show any of their vulnerability, that somehow that would undermine their leadership. And that's so why it's very important for me to, to say you can be confident. You must be confident. In, in fact, you must be audacious, right? To, great leaders have audacious ideas and the confidence that they can accomplish extraordinary things. But at the same time, it can't be about you, it's got to be about the vision and it's about having pulling out that confidence in other human beings that are working with you who have very diverse skill sets than what you're bringing to the table and if If you're overly confident and you believe that you're the one and you're the hero, you are missing all that capacity underneath. And so if we can help, and I, it's extremely audacious of me to say, yeah, you, can you teach humility? And I think I've got ideas about how you can teach humility. That's not doesn't sound very humble, but I think it's a community, and that's why I put posted as a question on my blog, can we? And want wanted to get other people's opinion on that because I do believe it is a, a skill set that can be grown um, if we free our leaders from saying, you must look and feel this way, and yeah, it's okay to say I failed, and it's okay to teach through your failures, and it's okay to say I don't have all the answers, and you can still come across as confident. So when I think about that, how do you combine confidence and humility, right? I think part of it is understand, starting with understanding that you don't have all the answers and are constantly searching for more answers, um that confident humble leaders are people who who attract other people who will tell them the truth, right not just things that they want to hear, and mm-hmm. I worry that in some leadership positions that that folks are coming across so confident, people are afraid will only feed into that and reinforce what's being said as opposed to really telling what really needs to be said to that leader in that situation. And I also find that you know, confident leaders uh, who have humility are reflecting on their own leadership, and they're taking time to invest in their own development and, and seeking out the changes needed. So those are, those are some of the things that I, I have in mind when I'm, I'm saying confidence and humility and, and that critical marriage.
0: Well, you have some suggestions, uh, five ways that we can actually teach humility. And I'd like to, to talk about those. And then we, we've had a couple of questions uh, that have come in from the community. But the, your first suggestion for, how, for, for ways to teach humility is, number one, build confidence. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, so this one's a bit ironic, right? So if you've got someone who you think that you're really working to help Uh, coach to become a more confident but humble leader, the last thing you would think is, well, I need to build confidence. But the more I've worked with leaders at all levels of the business over a a long period of time, and even in watching myself and my own development of leaders and working with with kids in, in leadership positions, I found out that the kids or the adults that come across as most arrogant Um, most not humble are actually, there's some underlying lack of confidence that's there. And what Mm. comes across as arrogance is actually fear. They're they're afraid that someone will think that they're not good enough. So they put on this facade of being extremely overconfident. And when you dig beneath the surface, there's usually something that they're scared of.
0: That is so... Hard to believe. It's it's true. I know, and but it's it just it's something that I suppose we've all heard our mothers tell us. Oh, you know that bully or whatever. That's just because they've got a fear or a, a lack of self confidence, and or if someone is always being the center of attention or or, or acting a know it all. You know that, that's what my mother always said was. Uh, they just have a, somewhere in there, there's a, a self-esteem problem, which is so hard to see in the day-to-day. But when you reflect back on people we know, it's a little, we've known in the past, it's easier to see that in, in hindsight.
1: Yeah, so your mom was right.
0: <laughs> so your antidote as a leader is to actually work on building confidence in in the people that we lead. Yes. Yeah, that's, well, that makes good sense. And then the second way is to teach the art of great questions. I love that.
1: Yeah, the, the art of great questions is so important in almost any aspect of leadership, but particularly as you're working to help people become you know, more aware of their own humility. And so I think one of the challenges people have when they are overconfident they think they know all the answers is that they are in a telling mode and i really like to work with leaders and say you know i want you to pause more and ask big questions um, my favorite question and i use this question every single day what is your heart saying you know about the you know whether even if it's about some you know should we do, negotiate this contract in this way or that way right or you know where where what's the biggest priority here right now because people will often come to me looking for answers And, Karen, what what should I do next? And I I first pause, and then I say, what does your heart say? And that question opens up a deeper level of conversation and exploration. Um, Another is, um, you know, If if a leader because I'm a leader of you know of of people who are leading others who are people are leading others so there's a couple of layers right that that go with this and when someone comes to me and wants to really talk through a problem I say well what does your your team think about this idea and it's an important one because I want to make sure that they're then asking the provocative questions to to the people that they are supporting as well and another uh, important question I like is who did you involve in this decision? Mm. Because people who are struggling with the art of humility often won't have asked enough people uh, for their opinion and done the appropriate stakeholdering. And even a good idea, if it's not positioned well and you haven't taken the time to get the right people on board, uh, will not work as effectively as it would have if you had had taken those few moments to do that right.
0: Right, either either it won't be as good of an idea as it could have been by having more input into it, or it might not gain traction because you just haven't involved enough people to and, and built their ownership into it. Yeah. You know, you as you were talking through those questions, I, of course, had, there were stories popping up of past leaders that I've had or, or conversations that I've had with people that I've led. And there a couple other good questions. Uh, one is, what does the data say or what what information is is behind this which yeah. can lead into of course make things more objective and and lead into some great conversations but the opposite is very close to your question uh about what does your heart say i i once had a a client who had asked me to get a whole bunch of data in order to 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 shape a a strategy and some decisions And some question. At some point, you just. We were both as we're going through it. She was overwhelmed by all the the data, and so and she wanted to know which way we were going to go. And she finally just asked me, "What does your instinct say?" (laughs) And so even if somebody is maybe not the, the what does your heart say, maybe might be sound too touchy feely for some people, but that, that hit me just right. What, what does your instinct say? Well, my, you know, and I could bring my judgment to bear. There's at some point the data has to end and you just have to make a, make a judgment based on what you know.
1: Yeah. Right. So heart, instinct, gut, there's lots of ways to say it, you know, that, that fit with your pers- own personality. Uh, but it, the, those questions are all very similar, right? You know, what's the, what's the main thing that that's the most important thing here, and what what do you th- what's what must we do? Because people know, and then you, I'm not saying don't go through data, right? Absolutely, mm-hmm. what does the data say is all part of why your heart is feeling a certain way, right? And you don't want people only making decisions based on their their instincts, but it, it's an important one, especially when people get too twisted up in. Too much data, right? Reams and reams, and you know, PowerPoint charts, and it's it becomes a lot. And I think that becomes paralyzing some of the time.
0: So if we ask genuine learning questions—not not not questions that are leading somebody or that we think we already know the answer—but questions where you are truly curious to know what the answer is or what the other people are thinking—that put positions you puts you in a a humbler position, and it also teaches others to be humble because it's not just about knowing all the answers. It's about asking and listening.
1: Yeah, and, you know, questions asked in a different way can have the exact opposite effect, right? I wrote a post called, you know, Questions That Shut People Down. (laughs) That one was also popular.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, number three, Karen, is get them out of their comfort zone.
1: Yeah, I think this is why I'm so humble, (laughs) because I have been humbled. Uh, You know, when, you know, I always say if you haven't felt like you've jumped out of an airplane recently, it's probably time to look for a new role, right? Just because that's when you're most learning, but you have to be, you have to rely on others. Right so I went from you know my first jump into something I didn't know anything about I had spent my first decade you know growing in different positions in HR and leadership development all that stuff and then uh one of the senior leaders of the business said that's great Karen um you could continue to do this and someday you'll be VP of HR but wouldn't you be a much better leader even if you do want to have a career in this field if you went out and, uh, ran, ran a couple of call centers and ran a 24 by seven, um, service management organization, you know, and if, if a big, uh, banks network goes down in the middle of the night, um, the executives are calling you. Well, so I did that <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I had no idea. I mean, I no, I, I pulled this team together that, that, you know, was running this aspect of the business. It was a, a very important part of our business. And, I got my first call and the the ATM network had gone down to this bank and I had to just pull people into the office with me and I said, okay, you know, help me answer these questions while I learn. And then, and and so you're thirsty to learn, you realize that you've got something that you're bringing to the table, you've got to bring your confidence that you wouldn't have been put in that role unless there was something, a skill set that you had, in my case it was leadership, uh, but that you have so much to learn. And so, you know, from that role, you know, that I've now, I ran a large retail sales organization. That was completely different, too. And I started again, um, you know, with a mostly, you know, male team who had been in retail their entire careers. And here comes, you know, yoga, HR girl. <laughs> You know, and you have to, but so you have to show up confident. Otherwise, they're not. They're going to walk all over you. But you also have to be massively humble, or you're not going to learn anything. So that's kind of what I meant by that.
0: I like that. And of course, you're you're humble because you're learning. But as you've written, it also it's basically forcing you to recognize that you are relying on your team or your peers to be successful. Yes. And number four is give them tools to manage their blind spots
1: yeah um if if somebody is coming across feeling like they've got it they've they, I've got I've got leadership or I've got sales or I've got IT and there's always room to grow and sometimes people are blind to that um, you know, it, so there's lots of ways to do that, and I, I I know all of your listeners know what these are, right? Uh, you know, the 360 assessments, giving them a coach, um, encouraging the team to surface and work through their own conflicts, uh, all of that works. Um, and I think also it's just really being real with someone. I, I had a recent conversation with. Um, a a, a leader on my team and, you know, um, he doesn't work directly for me, but it works for one of my other leaders. But I I said, I'm worried that you're treading water at this point. And he said, wow, that that stings. That's awful. And and I "I, I can't believe you said that to me. And it was painful, right? Because I'm in a a, a position of a bit of power over his, his current role. And, but, he's been working through that now for the last, uh, for the last month and I'm seeing huge growth, right? And and it, but he had to sit with that yuck for a little bit, but now I'm seeing him be more humble and seeking out more support and taking on more projects. And he is going to come out of this so much stronger, even though it it felt awful at the beginning.
0: You know, we all have blind spots and, there i suppose not every tool is is going to work for everybody but it, it's interesting how you can be going along and think you are doing all the things that would help you identify your blind spots and then boom someone points one out to you i, I have recently recommitted myself to seeking feedback from my team and on a on a regular basis asking them hard questions like what what can i be doing better what should i stop doing? What What could I do to make your job easier? And a lot of times that is getting people to, to think about stuff that's that they wouldn't otherwise say because it just doesn't come up in day-to-day conversation. And one guy on my team said, well, one thing you, you probably should know is when you have a sense that somebody may have dropped the ball on a given project, you uh, kind of go in with the assumption that they did drop the ball like that that's your first thought and so right from the get-go you're asking questions uh or you're in a way that is pretty obvious you think they blew it and, and a lot of times they they didn't it's just that you aren't you didn't happen to see you know maybe they didn't keep you up, up to date or maybe you just missed that email that was the update email but he said you know if you'd start from a, a position of learning uh and that which is basically saying start from a position of humility instead of this more arrogant okay what's going on here you guys obviously can't can't do this without my involvement so it's it's just interesting if you don't have what you're calling these these tools to manage your blind spots uh you you really are going to lose that that humility because we all have blind spots we just need to need to be aware of them
1: yeah and if you don't think you have any blind spots you really have a humility problem.
0: (laughs) Well, you recently shared this quote that I love. What the world needs now is more geniuses with humility. There are so few of us left. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, the fifth and final way that you suggest to teach humility is to model it.
1: Yeah, I I believe this is really the most important way, right? If you are really trying to help others and leaders that you're working to grow to become more confident and humble at the same time it's really working on yourself right so you know all the all the work around servant leadership and i'm sure you 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 your community talks about all of that but, but that's that's important and admitting when you're wrong um being able to, when you've got something to coach, take somebody offline and coach it privately ver- versus trying to deal with it across the whole group. Mm-hmm. You know, basic leadership stuff like that. Um, I would say, also, recognizing and honoring and rewarding humble behaviors on teams. Right? Like, so, um, this is this could be a little ironic, right? You, you know, the person who is more humble may not want, is not going to toot their own horn. Um, but, to lift it up and say, wow, I noticed you did this and I also noticed that you didn't make a big deal of it and I I want to appreciate that positive approach that you were really deferent to the team and thank you and thanks for what you did and thanks for having that approach because that's a great team-building behavior for us. And then, you know, this is one that has, has been really interesting for me as I've grown in the business, right? I work in a, a very large corporation and um, y- the higher you get in the business, the more people want to make things special for you when you show up, right? So, um, you know, I show up and there's spread of food and on the sign as I come <laughs> into the call center, you know, welcome, you know, welcome Karen Hurd and... I try to discourage that, and it's hard because then it hurts their feelings, right? So it's a balancing act because they want to do something special, but really wanting to live by the same rules and standards that I'd expect for anyone on the team. And and the more that you just say, accept that that's a norm, and exec- executives should be treated that way, I, that's not modeling humility in my in my mind.
0: Those are those are good suggestions for modeling humility. So being a servant leader, admitting when you're wrong, coaching privately. I think the maybe the hardest one, at least for me personally, that you mentioned there, is to be aware of when people on your team are being humble and noticing that and recognizing them for that, because humility is often quiet. So you you may, it's easy to take for granted, I suppose. Yeah. But you know, I think back to gosh, this this may go back to things learned all the way from my childhood, but in the Bible, even Jesus, a few times when he encourages his followers to don't give themselves honor, go go to, don't, don't sit down at the seat of honor, sit in the lowest position, and then let others will kind of move you into the honor that, that is maybe your due, but the, the people that, really puff themselves up are, are probably going to be, um, at some point, be humiliated. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, the re- and the rejecting special treatment, that's, that is tough because you want to, a lot of times that's people that are just being um, kind, you don't want to, so you, you do need to manage that in a way that doesn't seem that you're not grateful for, for it.
1: And once it's already happened, you you accept it. Graciously, mm-hmm. right? Um, you don't. It, so I think it's it's about managing it in advance, right? So uh, mm. please don't make a big deal of my visit. I really want this to be casual, right? Um, you know. But yeah, you know, yesterday I, I walked in and there was, uh, you know, crab cakes. I ate them. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> young, <right? laughs> so you know that's not the time to do it because then that that's just going to make them feel bad.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, it is a balancing act.
0: That's but that's a good point to recognize the the potential for that happening in advance and just letting people know what what your expectations are. That's a good yeah. good advice. Well, we've had a couple of questions come in. One is Skip asks, does humility get in the way of executive presence? We've talked in the past on this podcast about executive presence and how a lot of times perception is reality. And so we have leaders out there who aren't basically acting in a in a in an executive way and so people don't treat them in an executive way. And so does if if you're trying to be a, a humble leader, does that maybe work against the opportunity to create an executive presence? What do you think about that, Karen?
1: I think that I will have a different answer to that than some. <laughs> so <laughs> let me just say that I am biased on this because I choose to have a very different executive presence. And it, it works for me. But I will hold a microphone and tell a story of something that I've done incredibly wrong and what I've learned from it. And I believe that that gets into the hearts and minds of the f- people on my team, and it encourages them to think about the mistakes that they're making and learn from their mistakes. And I've gotten feedback that that style works really well for me. Um but I know that there are many leaders who have, you know, very strong executive presence and will, you know, be scored a 10 out of the 10 on the succession planning list who choose to, to roll differently on that. Um, I believe that if as so long as that you have the confidence in the vision and the confidence in your people and you are inspiring in a, in a, and a lot of executive presence is your demeanor, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's how you're, it's how you're showing up. It's, um, It's staying calm when things are are in crisis. It's being well put together. It's uh, how you articulate your thoughts. If you've got that package and you are able to weave in a bit of vulnerability, a bit of sharing your story, I believe that that makes you show up even more real and, quite frankly, more charismatic. But it's not necessarily the norm. And I think there are folks who have extraordinarily, you know, well-packaged executive presence who wrap this uh, wrap a uh, a packaging around them that looks more like Superman or Superwoman and that is attractive too to 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 some. Um so I think it's a choice that you have to make. And so I, I I'm I'm letting you know how I believe I believe that if you ask some folks that are in in positions at my level or higher some would say, yeah, you don't want to be too humble. And so I think that's why it's the debate. And I think that's why this has been my most comment on blog, because I think people have very strong opinions about this. What do you think?
0: I, I think that the, the question, which is a very good one, but it points to the myth that executive presence is about uh, positioning yourself the fr- at the front and about maybe even puffery When we've talked about executive presence on this podcast in the past, we've boiled it down to things such as being focused on the now uh, instead of having your mind wandering in the the future, being distracted by thoughts from the past. And with speaking, being somewhat concise and brief as opposed to yammering on and on like I sort of am with this sentence right here. (laughs) And then also altitude. Are you... At the appropriate altitude for your audience, are you, if you're speaking with the CEO, are you talking at the sort of uh, the 50,000 foot view of on business strategy the way she or he likely is thinking? or are you talking about uh, the, the details of your day-to-day work that, that may be much more detailed than what, what they're really interested in at that point? Um, so it's, it's more about those type of things as opposed to anything that would go be, be opposite of humility.
1: Yeah, I would agree with all of that. And the other thing is you were talking, I was, I was thinking of an example that just happened, you know, recently it's, it's one, there are some leaders who will go in and, and say only the positive things, you know, look at the upward trends on these charts. We're doing fantastic and only tell the good news side of the story. And and I'm thinking about your your point of speaking upwards, right? Well, if you go into a very senior-level executive and say all that, it opens up, well, this can't all be good. What isn't being (laughs) said here? And it creates concern, right? And it, Mm -hmm. it creates distrust. But if you go in and say, I've got these five upper graphs and these are good, and... This is what's really worrying me. I, I'm working on this, and this is these are the five steps I'm working to, to to do to fix this problem. But yeah, I've got some problems. That is a much more credible talk at the executive level than just uh, painting a rosy picture.
0: Absolutely, and I love when I think you you mentioned the word credible, and I think when you have the the combination of confidence and humility together that equals credibility yes another question that's come in uh, Shelley asks if the concept of humility was not learned as a child do you really think it can be learned in adulthood especially if the person has already achieved success or leader status
1: so uh, yes I do and uh, there, you see stories all the time, and the Ted, TED talks are a good place to hear these stories, where people's lives were going along swimmingly, and something crazy happened to them, right? And they, they see, after after this incident, I had this epiphany. And now I am more humble and more open and learning, and my life is so much better. And sometimes, right, it'll be something horrible that's actually left them in a, in a diminished way you know, on the surface, right? Before I had this tragic accident, before my you know, child got this horrible illness. But, so that's why, but I, I, my hope is, and that's what really inspired the writing of this post, was that it shouldn't take that. That there are other ways to, to, to if we are more closely examining our lives and more opening our hearts and minds to feedback from others, that we can grow before something like that or without something like that having to happen to us. But it's not, I mean, there's lots of people for whom they're not examining that if, if they don't want to do it uh, and if nobody's encouraging them to do it and if they're surrounding themselves by... People and this happens at the executive all the time level all the time. They surround people who keep telling them they're great and never surrounding themselves with people who are questioning. Yeah, then then they're going to get stuck.
0: I think that's absolutely on point. I almost wonder if a lot of us don't sort of grow in. I want to say in um, slopes and plateaus. Uh, if I just think back on my own growth, and I think I was taught humility as a child. I think my my parents did, were that was a priority for them, and I don't know how well it all sank in, but but I I certainly had no excuse for not learning it. But I, but at the same time, I had moments of success and positions of leadership throughout life, and at, at times I look back and I think, wow, I really let that go to my head. I had way too many people. Too many yes men around me, too many cheerleaders, and then this problem that came up later. I that was, that's where that came from. That was my fault. I let that happen, and of course, you know, you're never going to avoid all failures. That's that is part of what makes us uh, more successful in the long term and and more humble. But if you can build in, as you said, the self reflection and encourage the self reflection on your team and people. Taking time for solitude and and writing or whatever works for people to, to reflect on that that is, that is huge. And then and then of course these five, ways that you you discussed today I think are also ways that that we can learn as adults. So I I think whether we, learned it as as children it certainly would be easier if more parents taught that to their kids so that you you do have a, a basis. But, I think if if a person is Doing things like you, like you talked about today, like getting out of your comfort zone and managing blind spots, um, that that will certainly help help learn humility.
1: Yeah, and I would, <laughs> as you were just saying that about you being raised that way, I give a lot of credit to my parents too. You know, I'm a parent now; I, it's a priority for me to work with my kids on this. And so, for all parents listening, we've got a big role in this, and it's it's never too soon to start.
0: Absolutely. Well, we've talked about five ways to teach humility, build confidence, teach the art of great questions, get them out of their comfort zone, give them tools to manage their blind spots, and model it. Our guest today has been Karen Hurt. Karen, how can people learn more about you and your work?
1: Well, uh, the best way, I would love to have people subscribe to my blog, which is uh, letsgrowleaders.com. And I'm also on Twitter at at Let's Grow Leaders, and I have a Let's Grow Leaders Facebook page. So uh, lots of ways to interact with me.
0: And I've been enjoying all of those uh, ways. So I definitely encourage our listeners to come find out more about you. Karen Hurt, thank you for joining us on Engaging Leader.
1: Oh, thanks so much for the opportunity. Great to talk with you.
0: All right, leaders. I encourage you to give a shout to Karen and let her know what you thought about today's discussion. Also, if you have a question or a comment about humility or about any past episode or any topic related to leadership communication and engagement, we would love to include you on the conversation. You can leave an audio message by calling 989-787-0060 or you can go to engagingleader.com and click on the record voicemail button. And of course, you can submit questions or comments by email to jesse at engagingleader.com or on Twitter, where I am, at Jesse Leahy, or on Facebook or LinkedIn. That wraps up this episode. Thanks for joining us. You can find the show notes for this episode at engagingleader.com forward slash five four, as in episode 54. And while you're on the show notes page, you can certainly provide your thoughts or comments in the comment section at the bottom of that page. Engaging Leader is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with mid midsize and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at AspendaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Dustin Hartzler, our website engineer, J.J. Leahy, our video and web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Christopher Seal, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, whether you realize it or not, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of our opportunities to engage the people we care about.